Welcome back to another episode of Coaches Exploring Clarity. And today we're fortunate to have another guest, Joanna Denton, who will be joining us or is joining us. And Joanna and I met on uh, most recently on Jamie's Clarity Professional Program. And, uh, you know, serendipity is a, a cool thing, but we I was preparing for a big presentation and got paired up with Joanna and another person named Simon, who in my uh, humble opinion are expert presenters. So it was kind of like, you know, if there's two people I would have wanted to be joined up with for that particular week, it would have been them. And lo and behold, it happened. So, um, and we've uh, kind of been getting along ever since. So welcome, Joanna. It's great to have you here. It's very nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, our pleasure. So we're we're going to kick off with chapter 24, which for those of you who have been following along in the book is uh, an interesting chapter. And then it's only one page long. Um, but we're going to we're going to. Uh, get as much out of that one page as we can, and then we'll also be covering chapter 25. But we'll start with a quote from chapter 24, Inspired Action, which is a quote by Rumi, the poet. Run from what's comfortable. Forget safety. Live where you fear to live. Destroy your reputation. Be notorious. I've tried prudent planning long enough. From now on, I'll be mad. And then uh, it goes on to say, inspiration often shows up when you're already doing something else. So, and then I'm going to pass it over to Elaine to read this this prose here. So show up, get in the game, stay in the game, step into the unknown and keep experimenting. Pause and reflect from time to time. Discover your how as you take the next step. Remember, you're living in the feeling of your thinking. When your wisdom reminds you of this, relax. The system is self-correcting. If you find you're pointed in the wrong direction, adjust as necessary. Become willing to make mistakes and learn from them. Keep increasing your clarity of understanding. You're capable of far more than you think, because you are far more, because you are far more than you think. Discover your path by walking it and be grateful for the highs, grateful in the lows and do your best to enjoy yourself every step of the way, secure in your increasing understanding of how the system works. I feel like there should be an amen at the end of that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, or some sort of choral something mm, yeah. going on exaltation yeah. with the trumpets of the lord yes <laughs> yes yeah well thank you for reading that because it's like ever anything else it's like for me anyway my experience of listening to you read it was far more powerful than me reading it in my head to myself which i've done probably half a dozen times now so that's great I um, sorry, yeah. I I I'd like to sort of start off by quite simply saying, here, here, word, first line, show up. Mm. <laughs> like perhaps one of the biggest lessons, you know, in this in this journey of, of clarity. Mm. Um, just you know, get the hell out there and get on with it, kind of thing. It's uh, powerful. Two words, show up. Yeah. Mm. What occurred to me when you said that is like the 
we're now on like episode 26 or something of this program. And the, the three of us, I, we haven't missed one. Like if you think about it, that's over the course of three months or something, we've never had to reschedule. We've never, like we've just shown up. And, and in one of the previous conversations we had, each of us was sharing kind of like, there's been mornings or, you know, for me, it's mornings for you guys, it's afternoons, but where it's like 10 minutes before the call, it's like, I really don't want to do this call today. <laughs> and, or I'm not in the mood for it or, you know, whatever flavor of that is, yet we've all shown up. And then also our guests, when, when people signed up, you know, for Joanna, she was, the, our, is our last guest. So she signed up for this weeks ago mm. and she's still here. She's showing up. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what, well, you know, amazing things can happen when you just show up. Like that's a, a big part of it. I love that. Well, for me, I think there's a couple of things that came up when I um, when I listen when I well I listened to Elaine reading it when I read it. Um, the first thing is this notion of sometimes you just got to start ugly. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be ready. You just got to, you know, you start even if it's ugly. And the other image that comes to mind as well is. This is going to show my age. Do you all know the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Mm, of course. And you know, at the end of the movie, when he's when he's um, solving all the riddles and everything else, he comes to that invisible bridge. Mm. And there's this kind of notion of sometimes you just got to take the first step to find the bridge. And that is, that's a very powerful image for me in, in this context, in, in, in the context of a lot of these things over the last few months reading the book the work that we've all been doing together is that idea of there's something to be said for if you know every step of the path you're on the wrong path mm -hmm. and when you're starting on the path you don't have to know all of those steps and sometimes it's just making that first step that allows you to see what the next one is I love that. Um, I've been keeping Greg company in his Get Shit Done program over the past few weeks. And one of the things that comes again and again and again is it's okay to throw out version one. You know, version one is is okay. Um, and that is something that I have I have struggled with uh, a lot in my life. So the notion that, you know, putting something out that I didn't feel was complete or didn't know where it was going to go. So that is just that. So putting the, together the version one and show up feels huge to me. And reading this page, listen to Elaine read that page, what came for me is, and throughout this whole program, of, I always go back to kids. I, can't, I don't know. I just think there's so much if children knew, you know, mm. if only, um, and this is an if only kids heard this to me it's if we you know imagine he hearing these messages when you were a child or when you were at whatever stage in your life when you got absolutely overwhelmed with stuff at different places it's just somehow it feels very peaceful mm -hmm. it it all together feels very peaceful to me um mm -hmm. and seems to just take a load off <laughs> which is nice mm -hmm. To what extent do you have this? I have the experience of kind of, I learn this 
I remember this, I show up, I start ugly. But then the next thing comes along and suddenly I've forgotten it. And I have to remember it again. It's like, why can it not be that you kind of open, you learn these concepts and learn how to do this. Well, you should jolly well remember that for the rest of your entire life. But it's not that easy. It's like every single day you've got to show up and start all over again. And it's like, can I not just stay in bed? I thought I'd learned this. You know, the way you with your exams at school, you learn it. and then, But it's like, no. And you can't unlearn it in, that, in, in, in some respect. And you'll always remember the joy of being able to just show up and do it and trust yourself. And yet it's so darn easy to forget it, you know, from one, yeah. one day to the next. Yeah, and I I love that, Jana, because it's sort of it's sort of sort of what what Jamie says with the, with a sentence kind of discover your how as you take the next step kind of mm. knocks that on the head. What you just said because like, well, there isn't really that much in the formal sense. There isn't actually that much to learn because. You know, as time passes, time your 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 future arrives, and then it becomes the now. So, so like, there's no, there is no concept of actually having to learn anything. You're just experiencing it, and and moving with it, kind of thing. Yeah. I suppose where I'm coming from in that is, you're right. There's nothing to learn. You just kind of experience it. However, the reality of life is it you kind of show up and there's so much noise going on in that moment that it's easy to it's easy to forget if, if, if you see what I mean now that might yeah. just be because I'm maybe I'm early on in the journey on on the principles or whatever but it's just I I find myself needing to remember I, I think it's that you know the kind of um the stairs or, or the steps of competency where you start off your unconsciously incompetent and then you become consciously incompetent and um you know so on up the up the the ladder and possibly at that stage of being consciously incompetent at this and needing to you know needing to remember i i always remember around this i remember way back when i was taking three tennis classes um three tennis classes a week and I was playing lots and lots of tennis and I there was one day that it was going really really badly and I had an absolute hissy fit on the tennis courts and I'm slamming down the rackets and I said to my coach don't believe this Alex I'm absolutely rubbish at this and I've been doing this three times a week since forever and he turned around and he just looked me in the eye and he said Joe you were always rubbish at this you just didn't know it <laughs> 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 maybe and maybe that's the point. Maybe before I didn't know that I was quote unquote rubbish at not needing to learn anything because I was still hung up on this idea of I need I need to be the expert or I need somebody else to tell me how to do this. And and now I'm just becoming aware of the need to remember. Um and one of these days I'll become consciously better at it and until I'm unconsciously better at it but just for the moment I'm in that um I I won't use the word that I normally use but I, I'm in I'm in the consciously rubbish stage 
I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, what, what comes to me is that when we get up every day, it doesn't matter if somehow it looks like the same thing. It's not the same thing. That's that's what came to me there. You know, the, the thing that looks like the same thing, it's not the same thing. And, you know, depending what rubbish we have in our head, of course, makes it feel good, bad, or indifferent. But oh, I absolutely love that. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Yeah, I love it too. My, does my it get easier? <laughs> yeah. My kind of take on that is this, is the, the problem that it, I think kind of lies in the fact that there actually isn't anything to learn because the learning part of it is on a different level. It's all in the, in the part of our conscious, well, our mind, our brain that, that makes us think things. That's where the learning is. But what, what we're looking at here is something that comes before learning, something that already is. And, and I think, I think, yeah, I think this, 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 this whole, Every there's every line to me points mm. points to that sense that there's something that is beyond all things physical, learning included, or, or what becomes like a reality because of our thought processes. That so this this kind of to me at least it puts me back there where there is no learning, and there's actually actually nothing to see. There's nothing to see, and in order to see that there's nothing to see, we have to break. For some of us, me included, you've got to break down those barriers. You know, I, I've I've had kind of contaminated thinking for decades about um, if I, you know, only when I can I can achieve this, that, or the other thing, or have these pieces of paper, then I might be enough. And you kind of build up those habits for, you know, for years and decades. And that's how you become defined and all of, all of that contaminated thinking. And you have to see that it's contaminated thinking in the first place. And I think it's, it's in some ways, this is the, mm. both the, the freaky and the, the, the freakiness and the wonder of the principles for me, because on the one hand, it can just go like that. You know, you have a realization, I, 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 I've I, been believing this and this is not true. This is just a thought. I'm just living in that. And that can happen like from one minute to the next. And then there's an aspect, okay, now I, one of my contaminated thinkings is, is, well, if it's not difficult, I'm not doing it right. So there's part of me that's like, well, how can it be so Blooming easy. Otherwise, I'd have worked this out before now. So there must be something else. So there must be, and and then you then you get into the realm of the hidden benefits of holding on to that contaminated thinking. Because yeah, we can read this and it looks all easy, but why are we not all doing it? Why you know do we not already have oodles of people just going out there and living every day and showing every up, um, showing up? It's because there's still that fear. There's still the thing that we that subconsciously we're we're clinging on to because we're still thinking that that defines us or that's we're still thinking that um there's something else it can't be that easy because again one of our contaminated thinking is it has to be hard mm. you know at, at that point when you look left you know, it's like a pew 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 contaminated thinking going off in all directions um 
and I think that's I think that's the joy of the principles and the, and what I've been what you know what we've all been reading around this and that idea of you open one door and suddenly everything else comes into play and you've got to have the courage to walk through that door and to believe that this is possible and to believe that it can be so easy and then do the next step and then believe that it can be easy to do that next step and then do the next step. Even though, even on the days when it would just be so much nicer to go back under the duvet and wallow in self-pity. Because <laughs> 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 well, we all do it. Well, I certainly like my days of wallowing self-pity. It's so hard. I can't do it. <laughs> Was um, Joanna listening to her call yesterday? <laughs> yeah. And the Lord said, jo Joanna, forgive the pun, when your wisdom reminds you of this, mm relax the system is self-correcting yeah. <laughs> and you're thinking ah <laughs> don't tell me that <laughs> tell me it's so easy yeah yeah <laughs> we, we, we... two of the lines stood out to me that they're not beside each other but they're connected and it starts with the and keep experimenting mm. And halfway down, become willing to make mistakes and learn from them. Um, you know, th this program is a good example of you know, an experiment that went right. <laughs> um, it, but it just as easily could have been uh, rubbish um, and uh, it ended after one episode. But it it, uh, it didn't. And I think as we've gone along to like, um, you know, We've learned to become willing to make mistakes. Like, you know, I'm, I still beat myself up from time to time over not recording Jan's uh, episode. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's make a mistake and learn from it. Um, I think it's a very powerful thing. It is funny, this, this word experimenting, because I had a client and I made the suggestion to him to experiment. And as soon as he heard the word experiment, he was like rattled. Because to him, not you know, he's so so attached to knowing what the outcome of something is before he would do it. The idea of like you know, uh, and when I think of experimenting, I kind of had this image of you know taking test tubes full of chemicals and just mixing them together and seeing what happens. And of course, you know, you mix the wrong two things together, you could have problems. <laughs> but uh, um, there's also a playfulness, like Lynn, Lynn's talking about children, and when, when I, you were talking about that Lynn I think there's kind of like you know the early years of, of childhood where they they embody this like this is the way they live their life and then whether it's through schooling or or whatever we kind of teach them out of the their this natural way of yeah. being and put all these guardrails and rules and what they should or shouldn't do how they should or shouldn't behave in place and then we wonder why they're uh you know they can't pay attention or you know because they're it's basically we're training them to go against their nature um and uh anyway it, it's uh yeah my own personal experience with that was during the pandemic my son who did not do great in school he came he loved the pandemic doing online school he could do the school at his own pace when he wanted to he did better kind of later in the day than he did in the mornings so he could, you know, he was able to, to juggle his schedule. And then coming out of the pandemic, he's like, you know, on the honors list and stuff. Like he's told his whole life has changed for the better. 
um, because he kind of figured something out about himself and how what what his what worked best for him, and he was able to transition that back into the the regular school world. So, um, I mean, obviously, I know what basically he had insights <laughs> that uh, that changed changed his world. So, so can I ask you, can I ask a question around that? You know, this, absolutely. Well, is is the is the idea that you know society doesn't beat out of us, but it educates us out of our unique expression, our core being, the things that we know, because it's just a bit too weird. Um, so one of the things that comes to my mind is that my experience in corporate, you know, I, I spent a long time in corporate and for a long time felt like I was square peg, round hole. I had a game to play. I had a role to play. And all I wanted was that people saw me for who I was, which was a little bit weird, wore too much pink and whistled on the way to the coffee machine. Um, you know, and those those last two things are things that I was um, given feedback on in mm. one of my vibrations. You wear too much pink and you whistle too much. But anyway, so there was an aspect <laughs> of I was always longing to just be myself and be a wee bit weird and a wee bit out there. And then what comes to my mind is yes, and you know, there's a there's a um, practicality around the fact that in an organisation with say. 2000 people if you've got 2000 people all being a bit weird all being a bit out there um not quote unquote conforming to what's expected then on the face of it it would be absolute carnage i mean how can you run a business how can you go in the same direction as something if everybody is all being a bit weird and a bit themselves now mm. this is in a, in a mm. i'm deliberately being very controversial on, on no i'm deliberately wanting to see how we make that work in real life because it i feel passionately about the fact that we should all be allowed to be ourselves and we're all a wee bit weird and i there are the times i even feel like i have ptsd so from some of the experiences that i had in corporate however when i would talk about this or or, or talk about this to other people then the reaction is yeah joe but how can you run a business like that how can you keep control of things and all of that sort of thing no I have views on where those comments are coming from, but I would I would love to know what the three of you think about that kind of concept of practically bringing a bunch of individual unique weirdos into a corporate environment or other. Yeah. I absolutely have a response to that. Um, I love it. And I can totally relate. <laughs> My response is imagine, imagine the things that would get done, that mm. would be seen, that would be created, that would be valued differently. Uh, imagine instead of quite honestly, the bullshit that still goes on in, in corporations where people are supposed to be um, square pegs and square holes, not not square pegs and round holes. Mm. So to me, it looks like, you know, they're hiring people, they're hiring individuals, they're hiring, you know, like you say, everyone's a wee bit weird, thank God. Then they we get in the door and they're like, yeah, 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 well, but, you know, now you have to be that way. Yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm imagine is, is what I think. I'd, I'd, and there are certainly businesses who absolutely do not work that way mm. and who do encourage um the individuality and for people to you know be their the weird uh, you know explore their weirdness i i saw something i read something recently about um 
it probably was an article about ADHD. I can't remember uh, specifically, but they said, have you ever seen a video or a picture of the boardroom of Bill Gates? There was never a person sitting around the table because they were vibrant. They were energized. They were, you know, they wanted to express what they had to express. They wanted to contribute. That's why they were there. And that was encouraged. You know, they weren't sitting around in their suit in the same tie. And so I think valuing whatever we're going to call it, weirdness, individuality, unique expression, it doesn't really matter what we call it. Everybody's different and we're all there for to bring something different to the table. And my gut tells me that it takes a lot of courage and bravery on the part of leadership and the people at the top to allow that to happen. Because the, the again, a particular corporate background, it's not the same as everybody else's, but what I've observed is is that that fear. I, I have observed a number of people in those positions that have lived their life in fear of getting found out, you know, the imposter syndrome, all of their insecurities coming up and faced with a maverick, you know, um, among their colleagues of a different way of looking at it or something that might be seen as challenging, um, the barriers could come up. And it's like, well, you know, they would, I've, I've come across people in the past that have led by their job title rather than their competence or their creativity. And it's like, well, I'm your boss. You listen to me. You do what you do. What you think. No, it's not all leaders in any shape or form. But I do. Th- I mean, I completely agree with you, Lynn. Just imagine, imagine a world that that could look like. And I recognise that that takes courage and bravery on the part of the people in in charge to allow that to happen in a in a in a meaningful and real way rather than simply paying lip service to oh yes of course innovation is one of our values and oh yes of course Mm. we want you to think outside the box but not too far outside of the box because we might get uncomfortable Mm -hmm. what's coming to me is is like uh no surprise sports metaphors (laughs) but you know like if uh, if you're a hockey team like you can't show up and try to play tennis like you're there to play hockey (laughs) So, you know, so a business would be the same, you know, if you're in, in, in a particular industry or business, there's certain rules to the game um, that define what it is that you're doing. But then if you if you look at all the great teams of the in, in any sport, uh, and, and this is specific to team sports, I guess, but it's a collection of individuals who just have this chemistry and complementariness to each other. And there's, you know, I'll think of hockey like there's people that are very clean cut and prim and proper. And then you've got kind of the, the wild child, long hair, never shaves, uh, loves to get in fights kind of <laughs> guy. And every team needs one of those. And, you know, it, it's so there's they're like in, I don't know, when I think back in my corporate life, the teams or the businesses that I was involved in that were the most successful and the most fun to work at. We knew what game we were playing and we played within those boundaries. But within that, there was a lot of latitude for each of us to express ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, certainly that was the approach I took to every job I ever had, which was um, I knew what I had to get done, but I was going to do it the Greg Fisher way. And whoever, you know, when I every job I ever left, like whoever went in there probably, you know, when they looked at what I was doing and how I was doing, you know, they weren't me. So they it probably didn't, you know, they couldn't do what I did. They had to figure out how did yeah. they do the job their way. 
Um, and I've been fortunate to work for companies that generally allowed that to to play out. Um, and I think in more recent years, where I worked anyway, people were encouraged to whistle louder and wear even more pink. Um, <laughs> I used to I used to interview a lot of people, and the the interview room was at the back of the building, and so I'd meet them at reception, and and as we walked through, I take them into the kitchen. And I say, here's the coffee machine. I said, here's how much this company cares about you. We have skim milk, 1% milk, 2% milk, fat-free, almond milk. Like we had six different options for just how to, you know, what milk you wanted to put in your in your coffee. Mm. And then we go through the games room that had a pool table and a ping pong table and arcade games and stuff. And virtually every time I walked somebody through there, there was at least one person in there doing, like playing. Like it wasn't, I've seen a lot of companies that have those facilities but everyone's terrified to go in yeah, there that's fair um anyway but so that that was a cool experience working there and we celebrated kind of the um the differences that we all had and what we we all brought to the table so it's possible i think you know the, the you know a lot of companies are fearful of losing control i think you used the word control mm-hmm. in part of what you were described and they're they're willing to go down with the ship even even when it's not working because it's you know this is how we do things and i think you know particularly coming out of the pandemic like with people resisting going back to the office resisting going back to old norms like i do better work when i'm wearing gym shorts and a tank top like versus a a suit and tie or i'd rather spend three hours doing more work than commuting back and forth Um, and the comp- the companies that embrace that, I think, like we'll see in the next five years or so how who survives and who and who who doesn't. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's it's also really interesting what you said about you know if you're if you're there to play hockey, there's no point playing tennis. Um, and that idea of the certain rules to the game. And I think another aspect around that is I lost myself because I was trying to fit into a box. Mm. No, I lost myself not because anybody made me lose myself, but it was my own my own insecurities, my own low self-esteem and so on. And I think there's something in that about how um about embracing who you are, recognizing that there's some rules of the game, you know, however la- you know, however flexible that can be, and reminding yourself that just because you're playing the rules of the game because you're a tax accountant or you're a hockey player or because of whatever you're doing, that doesn't that doesn't take anything away from who you are and you're still enough the way you are. I lost sight of it because of my own contaminated thinking. But I think that's an that's an important thing. I hope if I if I was to redo that, not that I'm ever going back into corporate, but if I was to do that, then I would I would have the the courage today that I didn't have 25 years ago to remember that this was not about my enoughness. Uh, And that's the thing about the principles as well, isn't it? Because coming back to what we were saying about there's no learning to do, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing to learn. It's because we are enough the way we are. Everything that it, it, you know, you know, Elaine, you're talking about it. Whatever's inside and whatever's coming out from there, that that is more than enough for everything we need to do. I think if there's if if there's one thing the principles have taught me about is that 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 complete enoughness of 
that innate wisdom that comes out and um and also the fact that I don't have a monopoly on that I do, you know um yeah something about the idea of like um an actual lack of something or a perceived lack of something if you haven't got the skills and you don't know how to use the computer then you're going to have problems sure, sure. But if you think, like you were saying, imposter syndrome or all the rest of it, whatever's mm. going on there, that is something that is just not true. It is a perceived lack of something. Yes, and absolutely. Hence, hence, hence the CPs will deal with it oh, oh, when you can see through to that and the difference between the, the lack and the perceived lack, then then you're mm. flying. Because you know, all that remains is the skill to learn. Mm. And then the being bit sort of, you know, sorts itself mm. out. Am I allowed to share one of my unconscious biases that has come up since learning about these principles? Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Sorry, I, I do have a habit of talking by the kilo. So, I mean, I don't know what you thought about. It's only one page, this this chapter. We won't have anything to talk about. But anyway. Um, <laughs> so what I've, what I've been confronted by by way of unconscious bias is for a long time I've been carrying an unconscious bias against young folk. In other words, anybody, you know, kind of teenagers, young adults, because it's a long time since I was a teenager or a young adult. I know at the time I thought I knew everything, but it's, it's, I find it quite interesting being kind of confronted with the idea that our own innate knowing you know, already 15, 16, 17-year-olds have this innate knowing of life experience that might not be a fraction of what mine is. But they, you know, I've I've worked with um I've had a couple of clients who've been who've been teenagers and my God, what what smart, articulate, wonderful people they are. And I recognize that I've forgotten that somewhere along the way. Um, that to have life experience, because the principles about the principles are about innate knowing that you've for me, it's about this kind of innate knowing that you've developed through your own life experience. And I and I find myself kind of coming across this notion of, yeah, but, you know, what life have you led? You're only however old. And that's that was shocking to me. And I had to get down off that contaminated thinking and put that to bed. But it was something that it was something that kind of came up. You know. In this context. I think there's again okay very quickly just kind of i think as another I, he, I hear kind of another distinction that i would i would need to be more clear about in in joanna's um thought and and that's like m my understanding is that the experience that we talk about with the three p's is the experience whatever that is in the moment Whereas life experience is indeed an accumulation of skills, events, things that have happened, things that have gone on, all sorts of stuff, stuff you've learned, people you've spoken to, holidays you've had and all kinds of things that that have gone to create your your kind of knowledge base, if mm -hmm. you like. But I think we need it and it just there's just something and I'm kind of wondering if 
there's there's some confusion between the two because they're quite distinct things. Yeah. Yes, they yes, there they there are, and I can definitely see the distinction. And I wonder if you're right, yes, that actually I've been I don't know, is it conflating, confusing, bringing the two in some ways together? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which would indeed, in any case, create a bias of some nature in, in itself before you even look at the thing that seems to be creating you the kind yeah. of bias. Sure. Yeah. Oh, the, the, yes, it's interesting about the, the, the innate wisdom to be able to handle the present moment and know that you've got it covered. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Thank you for that precision. I appreciate that. I, I don't know. It was just a thought. I, mm, I have mm. no... Oh, 100%. 100%. I think this uh, this conversation is a good time to segue into chapter 25, which is troubleshooting enlightenment. <laughs> and the quote, the quote that starts off with it is, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. Oh, perfect. And I think that kind of describes, you know, things like uh, unconscious bias and things where we can create our own living hell from... yes. Uh, and when you were telling your story, the thing that, uh, like, I, I remember a distinct experience of, I think it was with my daughter, where I had the realization that I had turned into my dad, because I was saying stuff like, you know, the problem with your generation is um, whatever, you're lazy or you don't, you know, and I know when when I was hiring a bunch of young people. It was the same kind of thing, like, you know, the, the I remember one guy, he I mean, I, I'm exaggerating for effect, but like he'd been there for two weeks and he was wondering why he wasn't a vice president yet. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, um, and I was just, you know, the, like, and this is, for me, this is where kind of the, the notion of separate realities and stuff comes into play. Like, the, you know, my kids are living in a way different world. Like their reality of mm. what rules of engagement are, um are much different than what, what I grew up with or, or what I think. Um, and, and it reminds me earlier in the book, there's this section, ironically, that we uh, talked with Jan about, about, um, you know, society creating, creating a compliant workforce. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with you know, how we raise our children and stuff. Like it's, the system is designed for specific outcome to, um, you know, fit into, you know, to make everyone into a square peg so they can fit into the square hole that society needs them to fit in. Like it's all, it's, it's actually much more uh, deliberate and thought out and intended than most of us probably realize and we're much slower. Um, that's a much slower thing that changes like a, you know, nav steering a huge ship. It's, it's uh, very difficult to, to navigate a new course. Um, Anyway, those are the things that came to mind when you were sharing your uh, your unconscious bias. But I think you know it's just the realization that you have such a thing is a huge. Oh yeah. It's you know it's the the thin end of the wedge kind of opens up all kinds of new things for you. Mm. And it, 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 that's kind of addressed in the first you know the first little the bit you've highlighted. You know, my main hope is eventually in a modern education field introduce education about warm-heartedness not based on religion but based on common experience and a common sense sort of sense and then scientific findings Dalai Lama 
that that kind of mm. just about embraces the whole you know the, the whole everything we're saying practically in this conversation I mean, the, the quote that's coming to my mind is the Einstein quote of the significant problems we face cannot be solved uh, at the same level we were at yeah. when we traded them. Yet yeah. when when we're dealing with young people, we're trying to make them think like the way we think. Mm. And we don't embrace the fact that they're thinking it's differently. Thinking differently. Like the, the, they're actually going to solve like all the problems we're dealing with. They're the ones that are going to solve it because they're going to come into it with a whole new fresh perspective and, and a new way of looking at things. I'm guessing they're probably coming to it with more of page two five eight than um, than we might have to this point. <laughs> there is a chance. And whose responsibility is it to teach the kids? Is it is it the schools? Is it the parents? Is it you know this new way of thinking? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, it's a hard one as well. Hard question to to answer. Um, I am um... interestingly, is it is it a question of teaching or is it a question of um, when before you came on the on the call, Joanna, we were uh, having our little chat about the Jamie call and uh, referencing Greg's get shit done, and Elaine quite eloquently said um, it's almost like Greg doesn't have to tell people he gets shit done; he just is that. You know, that's what people see. So is it that this has to be taught or is this what have children have to see? Have to see. Do they, do they have to see it? Do, do we really, like Greg, you, you've often talked about the difference in your home since mm. you have taken this upon yourself and what you have learned and the change in your being. You know, I'm quite sure you're not standing there every day at the kitchen counter telling your kids, you know, about three peas, yeah. but they're yeah. seeing a different. They're seeing it. I tried thing. that. It didn't. It didn't. Uh, no, that, that, that didn't quite go down well. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I imagine I, I I can't really speak to the question directly. I am not a parent, um, mm. but I imagine it's like everything else. You know, things change mm. by by what we experience. What, what, what do you guys say as parents? As parents, yeah. and Elaine, <laughs> you guys can. But, yeah. No. Or just to add to that, you know, to guided by the experience that they can be, let's say, put in front of. I don't think that's quite an English sentence. Did that make any sense? Like, you know, for as far as children are concerned, if they if they can be allowed to, or if they can they can receive on a day to day basis, and possibly and preferably from day one an experience of this and are always pointed into this kind of direction, then there is no teaching to be done. So it's kind of, you know, learning by, what would you call it? Learning by doing, learning by being. Example, learning, learning I don't by, know. Example, that's the word. Semantics, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what I've seen with my kids too, even when they were younger, I guess, like my daughter, I don't know why, but she decided one day she wanted to learn to play the ukulele. <laughs> So she, on her mini iPad, whatever, she watched a bunch of videos on YouTube. And like within three days, she's playing songs on the ukulele. Amazing. She played the ukulele for maybe two years. And now it's probably been five years since she touched the thing. But 
um, and my son recently, he, he, he's just started working a part-time job and he's, he's got some money now. And some, somehow he got into like, I want to learn about investing. Well, he's just been watching YouTube videos and there's all kinds of like, like learning and the, the um, accessibility to quality education and resources is through the roof now. Like there's, there's virtually no barrier to learn whatever it is that you want to learn. Um, you know what the, to take it back to sports, like the, the number one draft pick this year in the NHL was a, a kid named Connor uh, Bedard. The guy's a phenom. Well, he just, you know, he learned how to play hockey, watching videos of like his favorite players and then, you know, shooting a thousand pucks a day in the, in his backyard and he's unbelievable. Um, like our, our whole, I think that this is, gets back to the metaphor I was using about the difficulty of steering a big ship. Like society is this huge, enormous ship, and we're so far behind in terms of our um, systematic, you know, our education system, our political system. Everything's just so far behind mm. where the world has moved so fast. Like, in the, I, I don't know, I think of my kids, like my kids aren't waiting for the, the ship to change direction they've they're they've already left the ship they're yep. in, <laughs> they're on their own journeys and so i guess it's it's sort of something about rather than having the the stuff to learn if you like the material the, the subject matter the it, it's more about creating the space for learning, creating the availability for learning to happen or education or, or whatever. Mm. And then and then those kids will find a way to do it kind of thing on their own. Yeah. I think that like the where where it gets tricky for me is the um you know, you can also learn all kinds of bad stuff online yeah. <laughs> or you know, if you call it, you know, getting radicalized or I don't know, whatever, but it's, you know, there, there is a, there is something to, you know, having a, a true North, like a, a, a um, going in the right direction or in a, a direction kind of, I mean, we use the, the terminology in the principles community about, you know, people looking in this direction, like in the direction of the principles in the direction of what is, what is true um and so you know that there's a i think there's a an obligation for society to point people in the right direction um but then they have to find their own way mm. like you, you, you can't, yeah yeah you and know. and there's as it's still on page you know 261 the last the last paragraph you know, that, that's kind of in the idea as the Dalai Lama shared his hope for the future. He revealed his in, intuitive sense that science would eventually uncover a source of mental health and well-being common to us all. But mental health and well-being in the sense of, of the ability, um, because he says before that science is going to uncover this. Mm. So that it, with the ability to learn something, we'll always be pointed in a direction of well-being, uh, ability, skill, capability, doing things, whatever. Because, as Jamie says, it's my assertion that the principles behind clarity represent that source. Mm. 
Mm. So indeed, it's every time it's pointing back to that. For, for whatever the desired outcome is. So it, it starts from there. I wonder to what extent the the reference to the science is like we it's not it's it's almost an admission that it's not enough that it be an intuitive knowing that we've got this we've got to get yeah. the science behind it it's, it's also kind of, it is the evidence is almost kind of it's almost pandering but maybe that's the game we have to play to those who are still in their heads of oh there needs to be an expert there needs to be proof there needs to be and it's a leap of faith to just try it and and trust that the proof will come because this is what's going to happen. So mm. so maybe that's the maybe that's the compromise we need to make to get people on board by saying, oh well, we've got a whole bunch of science that backs it up. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I don't want to get too controversial, but the last like two and a half three years for me. Has proven that oh, uh, yeah. science science is much as much an illusion as anything else. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, and proven science is only proven until it's proven that it's not otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and we have. I think you'll all, you'll all have heard this somewhere. Um, you know, we have kind of kind of huge coaching question, which effectively, when you've kind of got some scientific backing especially if you're speaking to Westerners. Now, because of my long experience with, let's say, an Eastern culture, not because I've lived with people all Japanese or Chinese or, or Asian or anything else, but because I've studied Shatsu and traditional Chinese medicine. Um, and the whole sense of, of Buddhism, if you like, so hence Dalai Lama can say as he does, it is indeed a huge leap of faith. It is that. And it's it's the same thing, and they get to the same place, but maybe after a thousand hours or many thousands of hours of meditation, okay. So there's that there's that bit in between, and in coaching we ask the question, you know, well, are you open to do blah blah blah? Are you open to believe that just for a minute, you know, we so we suspend the belief, mm-hmm. and. I, I sometimes struggle with my clients with that question because it makes perfect sense to me. But I realize that this, the question makes perfect sense to me because I've had, a let's say, quite a long induction into mm. the idea of behind Buddhism or Taoism or anything else that is quite open to be able to just suspend a few beliefs and leap into the unknown. So I think actually the idea, and that the Dalai Lama says that, mm. you know, the idea that if we can just, put a, a notion of science in it, then in that way, we've got the key yes. to, okay, then the human mind can be open to take on board maybe something else. So science is like a key word. It's going to unlock it for you. Oh, oh I like that science, right? Absolutely. Here I am. I'll take some of this on. That's my take on that. Because mm. the Western mind for me since, this car has we we've just kind of lost the plot basically from yeah. the sixteenth. We have an unconscious bias towards needing scientific so, proof. Exactly, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, com- completely. If we'd be having this conversation ten years ago, I'd have been. We probably wouldn't be having it. Well, we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> However, if 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 I was showing up as my as myself ten ten years ago, so before the second burnout. 
all of this stuff for me was self-indulgent Californian hippie woo-woo bullshit. Mm. Um, and so when I started coaching and I started coaching around, not, not so much around the principles, but around the thoughts and beliefs and the stuff that I've written about and spoken about before, um, primarily I wanted to coach around the idea of more balance in life and, and preventing burnout. My first reaction was I need to go and get more qualifications more scientific background that I can prove to the people I want to work with that this is not self-indulgent Californian hippie woo-woo bullshit. And that was it. That was my go-to place because that's the way that um, that made sense to me at the time. And again, it comes back to what Jamie says. We're, we're all acting and behaving on the basis of what makes sense to us on the, for our current level of understanding. And as you say, Elaine, to, to add that science, scientific stuff, it makes sense to believe the science sooner than your gut or your intuition or your lived experience. Sometimes even when you've lost trust in yourself and your and your knowing, then sometimes you need something to hang your hat on to be able to buy into it. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I think there's sometimes, you know, there's, there's sometimes if, if we're, you know, it, again, in, in a thought that the idea is that we're, we're trying to help people. That's basically what we're doing. So in the well-intended thought that, and, and I, I notice, uh, I notice how, how, how Jamie speaks to people. And, and then he makes, you know, the distinction between science, which could be a bit like Greg was saying, you know, well, people mixing chemicals together and, uh, and then you get like a result and this plus that will make oxygen or water or nitrous oxide or whatever the hell it will be. And you'll get something and you get a result. But like in, in Jamie's case, like he pointed more to like, well, OK, a science in the sense that somebody understood how something that is invisible and but we all we all agree with it because we're all here on the planet. That is the law of gravity, but it's not the law of gravity that explains gravity. It just tells us how the law of gravity tells us how gravity works mm -hmm. and why the pen falls to the floor when we drop it and why, you know, little mm -hmm. kids tend to very readily sort of knock their front teeth out as soon as they've come in kind of thing. Um but the law of the, the, the gravity in itself, although it's been it's now considered a scientific thing, actually exists by itself. It, it didn't need anybody scientific to tell us it was there. And that's why what I think sort of hats off to Jamie, how he makes that most beautiful explanation in a scientific way. <laughs> if you get my drift. I don't know if, yeah. if, that, if that was clear. Well, and if you found like the most remote tribe in the Amazon rainforest, they're using gravity <laughs> for all sorts of things, and they have no scientific no. basis for it. Not, 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 not a subtle, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It also occurs to me, like one of the things Jamie did in this edition of Clarity versus the first edition is at the end of each chapter, he's added these sections of what the research says. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of an ode to over the last 10 years since version one came out, here's a bunch of scientific resources to point to that, that in, um, backs up my claims as we go through the book. Now, at the same time, my uh, sense of this version of Clarity 2 is it's 
got a much more element of self-indulgent California woo-woo bullshit in it too. Like he's pointing much more to who you really are. And I think when he's, he's explained his intent with version two was to, to, to tap much more deeply into the spiritual mm -hmm. side of this thing. So it's kind of, he's done with this version, he's done both. He said, here's a whole bunch more science, but then he's turned up the volume on the spiritual side of it as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an interesting, uh, that's something I'm going to want to ask him about. Yeah. And yeah, and I, I was on, um, was the last CPP um, mm. thing. Yes. I think it was, I think it was yesterday that he said it. Yeah. And he, he, I can't remember the contents of, of what he was saying, but he did indeed sort of, you know, mention that he's particularly into energy mm. right now. Which again, I think is kind of interesting because energy is, if you like, is kind of a proper term for hippie bull woo woo bullshit, which we call spirituality. So let's not talk <laughs> about spirituality, but we'll call it energy. Energy, yes. Which, yeah. I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> cool. Well, I think maybe we can jump to the thought experiment at the end of chapter 25. We didn't touch on the charts, but for anyone who's going through the book, those, uh, you know, whatever it is, four or five pages between 263 and 267 like if you just rip those i'm not suggesting you rip them out of the book but if, if you just you know, like carried those around in your pocket and referred to them yeah you, your level of enlightenment and consciousness and so on would uh would go through the roof so thought experiment on uh this 287 um have you already started to notice that any lingering sense you may have had that there's somewhere to get to and that there's a better than here was an illusion that the search is over. I have for sure. Most of my career, I thought that, you know, the place to get to was retirement. Like I, I can, I can enjoy my life when I'm 65 <laughs> and I'm, I'm uh, every day I wake up knowing mm. that I can enjoy my life right now today, regardless of, how many appointments I have, how much money I have in the bank account, whether it's raining or sunny, it doesn't matter. I can, I can enjoy life right now. Me too. There are, there are areas and of that kind of knowing of this is, this is where I need to be and I don't need to be anywhere else. And it's just uh, where we're at. And then going back to what I was saying before, sometimes I fall off that enlightenment and forget. Um, however, what I'm finding is that it takes me less time than it did before mm. to remember that I've forgotten and to get back on, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. And I'm loving it. I'm loving all of this energy. Energy work. <laughs> I, I, Those Californian hippies were on this. Oh something. my god, yes. Just imagine what it could have been like if I'd known that before. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for them now. What well, I let's wrap. Last, yeah, last thing is that. Uh, not only that the idea that it's sort of there's something somewhere to get to was an illusion, but the actual idea it, 
it's just as well at my time of life that I don't think about it anymore because that's kind of worrying. So it's better not to think about it at all if I have to get somewhere because it looks kind of, it's like there, you know. <laughs> so it's kind, it's kind of, I guess the, the thing is that it's relieving to know that I don't have to do that because it's it was one of those things that somehow, somewhere, they, whoever they may be, taught me to do. You keep on worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. What about the future? And what's the next step? And what are you, what are you going to do now? And, and now what? And here we go. And I don't have to do any of that anymore. Kind of relieving. Mm. Yeah, and it totally takes us right back to that lovely prose in page 258, which is... You know, that's just kind of where we have to be. Yeah. Instead of where we thought. Nice. Well, thanks so much, Joanna. This was a a lively conversation. I really enjoyed it. I think we could have spent like another two hours probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, this has been a great way to, to end our regular sessions. And then for those watching, we have a special surprise coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to be joined by Jamie Smart. And where uh, Lynn and Elaine and I can put all our questions to him and unravel the the remaining mysteries of clarity and mm. you know his process of of creating this book and what uh, you know what he he wants it to do in the world I guess is is a good way to put it. Greg, so, Greg, on that, if if any of the listeners have questions that they'd like you to put to him, how could they get those questions to you, or is that a possibility? Yeah, that's actually a, a great idea. Thanks for thinking of that. Um, I guess the, the easiest way to do it would be on any, we always post in social media, so LinkedIn and Facebook every time we launch up one of these episodes. So if anyone has any questions they want us to put to Jamie, they can just comment. When We'll post this video. We're, we're filming it here today on Wednesday the 26th. It'll be published next Tuesday, whatever date that is, the August 1st maybe. Um, and uh, yeah anyone can comment there and, and we'll take those questions to Jamie we're meeting him on August 9th so we have a little bit of time but yeah that's a great suggestion thank you for that and thanks for being here today it was awesome it's been brilliant yeah, thank, thank you so you much for spending time with me it's been fantastic thanks Jamie right. right. we'll see everyone next time bye bye, bye. bye. bye.